Welcome to the Salty Carmel Podcast from Our Lady of Mount Carmel. This is a brand new podcast where we are going to spread evangelization stories to the ends of the earth from normal parishioners like yourselves. I'm David Cook, the Stewardship Director from Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and my co-host is the unforgettable Jody Curtis. Our guest today is Denise McGonigal. Denise is the former Director of Adult Faith Formation at Our Lady of Mount Carmel. She is semi-retired has four girls and nine grandchildren whom she enjoys spending lots of time with. Denise, thanks for joining us today. It is so nice to be here with you. Thank you for inviting me. Well, good. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. I have felt awesome since the day I retired. (laughs) Don't let let anybody at Our Lady. And a little bit before that, too. (laughs) Just getting all you guys out there. Do you mind uh, spending some time telling us what your life was like before you knew Jesus? Sure. Let me say this. I don't think I can tell you what it was like before I knew Jesus because my life has always been a slow, steady walk with the Lord. So, and that has a lot to do with my background. I'm from a family of 10 children, eight girls and two boys. We went all through Catholic grade school, high school. I went to a Catholic college, and then I got a degree in theology at a Catholic seminary. So that has pretty much defined my life. And so it's always been a steady walk with God, but not always a walk in the park. So, you know, there's, we must, yeah, we must um, emphasize that. However, Well, first of all, I offer this story kind of in the spirit of witnessing to the constancy and faithfulness of God in my life. Nice. But I did have a turning point, so I can talk about that. Okay, so basically I had 25 years of Catholic education when you think about it because I started first grade when I was five years old and I finished my master's when I was 27. So... I can pinpoint during that time one particular experience I had right after I graduated from college. So I was, I did what every unemployed college graduate did on the East Coast. I went down to the beach for the summer. Of course. And I got a rinky dink job in a five and 10 store, which is kind of like a Walmart today, gotcha. I guess you would say. You I'm, guys, I'm many of you that. don't know what a five yeah. and dime is. Do you know what that is, I Jody? Know you know is. what that is. Okay. For minimum wage, and I survived hanging on the beach, but one day, it was a morning, and this was in 1975, the summer after I graduated, I was sitting on the beach, and I was praying. I was talking to God saying, I don't really know what you want me to do with my life, and I do know that a liberal arts degree isn't going to get me the best job in the world initially. I had majored in French language and literature. So I just remember, as if it happened this morning, that words from Scripture came to my heart. At that time, and even now, I cannot quote Scripture by chapter and verse. I, it's just n- never been my gift, even though I've even written Bible studies. I cannot quote it for you. But I heard in my heart the words, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. 
Your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. I went home because it was the end of the summer, and I was living at home then. My sister came home from high school. She was a sophomore, and she said, hey, Denise, I think they need a French teacher up at my high school because there was nobody showed up in my class today. And so that high school was close enough for me to walk. That afternoon, then, just then, I grabbed my resume and took a walk up to the high school, walked into the principal's office, said, I hear you need a French teacher, and I'm qualified. Although I didn't have—back then in 75, you didn't need to have an education degree. And she said to me, well, darn, we just hired a French teacher five minutes ago, but we need someone to teach business classes. I see you can type. Would you like the job? And I said, sure. She gave me a stack of books, and the next day I showed up at 8, 10 in the morning and started teaching. I had never worked in an office, by the way. I was 21 years old. I taught seniors in high school, many of them who were 18 and 19 years old, so I was just a couple years older than them. But I had to teach things like typing, which I knew how to do, business, office practices, how to write a good letter, blah, blah, blah. I was one chapter ahead the entire year. But I learned something. I loved teaching, loved it, and I had not taken any education courses. So they actually offered me a full-time job after that. I was a long-term sub. They invited me to come back. I said, you know, I will come back to teaching, but not right now. So I went and I got a job. And let me tell you this. My faith experience really has followed my employment experience because at that moment when God told me on that beach not to worry— just to seek him. I said, okay, I'll do that. I didn't really have a choice. I had no alternatives at that time. But I said, okay, I will do that. So I I landed a job with an insurance company in customer service to learn what working in an office actually was like before I taught it again and worked my way up. I became a manual systems analyst, but here's why God sent me there. They had a tuition reimbursement program, and I wanted to get a degree in theology. So I walked into the president's office, and I said, this has nothing to do with being a systems analyst, but it does make me a better person. I want to go to grad school for theology. And he said, okay, we'll pay for it. Wow. Now, what inspired you to major in theology? Oh, yes, I left that out. Okay, so while I was teaching at Archbishop Prendergast High School in Philadelphia that first year, a, I would say, movement came to town, in a sense, the charismatic prayer movement. So I took it very seriously. And really, really, in all seriousness, when I decided to give my life over to God and let him lead me, I thought, I need a little help here. (laughs) I need to learn more about the Holy Spirit. And I knew that that's what charismatic prayer did for you. It helped you tap into your own charisms, the charisms of God, which means your gifts that God has given you. Explain charismatic prayer a little bit more. So, okay, I don't want to get too into the weeds, but here's what I will say. I knew that through charismatic prayer, I would learn more about the work of the Holy Spirit in my life personally. And that's what I needed because I knew I wanted to follow God and I needed to learn how to listen. And I knew it was the Holy Spirit who would be whispering in my ear and I wanted to learn 
how to listen to that. So I became involved in charismatic prayer. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. I started working on my master's degree, as I told you. So then I met this wonderful man named Joe McGonigal. We decided to get married. We were planning a wedding, and we had set it for the middle of September of 1979. It was a Thursday. I was praying, and I got this inkling from the Holy Spirit in my heart. That's all I can tell you it was. No big voice from God, just an inkling saying, you're going to get a teaching job this fall. And I thought, hmm, I'm going to get married in the middle of September. That's not good timing. So I, that, that next day, this was, the next day was a Friday. I, told, I called my husband-to-be and told him, and he said, well, if you can get the church, the band, the people, the priest, and move it to August, let's move it to August. <laughs> so we moved it to August. That was a Friday. I made all the calls. They all said yes. The following Monday, I'm, it's, it's break time at my three-hour class Monday evening at the seminary, and I run into an acquaintance with whom I had taught at that high school a few years past, and she was no longer there. She was at another school. She asked me what I was doing. I said, you know, here's what I'm doing, but I just have a feeling God wants me to teach. And she said she was the head of the theology department at a high school and said, well, would you like to teach at our school? Because we just got a notice that one of the people in the theology department is leaving and we have an opening. That was a Monday. Friday I interviewed and I knew I had a job starting the end of August. So I did that for five wonderful years. Had a baby during that. Totally intended to leave my job after the baby and stay home. And the principal of the school said, oh, I knew you were going to come in and do that. So she said, I'm a step ahead of you. Uh, how about if I start a nursery right here at school so you can bring the baby here? Can, I mean, God, like, yeah. is God not faithful? <laughs> <laughs> when he know, I mean, he always knows what he wants you to do. But so I, how do you say no to that? So I continued to teach there. Then my husband got transferred here to Indianapolis, and that was 36 years ago. Came here, had another baby. Then that following summer after I had Caitlin, I kind of got that inkling again. And I said to my husband, I, I, now, now remember, I'm brand new in Indianapolis, never been here before in my life, and we moved here. I know nothing about Catholic high schools, but I said to my husband, I'm going to look in the yellow pages of the names of Catholic high schools. <laughs> Burbuff was the first one. I called them, and the phone was busy. So I went to the second one, which was Cathedral High School, called them, and they said, we are looking for a theology teacher to start at the end of August. Yes, come on in and interview. The next day I interviewed, they offered me a job, took it. Got pregnant that year again with a third, and now it's not becoming very financially smart to work full-time having a third child. So I took a break for, and, and during that break, I worked, uh, we were at Our Lady of Mount Carmel. I, you know, I sat on councils and taught religious ed and just, it, we, my husband and I ran pre-K and we did all sorts of things, loved the church. I've always loved the church. I started to get an inkling, and this was eight years later, that God wanted me to work again 
Um, and so I started praying. And I have a favorite prayer I pray when I'm trying to discern a great big piece of God's will. Well, let's hear it. And, well, it's called the 54-day Rosary Novena. Okay, well, we'll so spend the next say, 54 yeah. days doing <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so for 54 days, you pray a rosary every day, basically. Okay? So I was on day 18, I still remember, opened the church bulletin on a Sunday, and it said that Our Lady of Mount Carmel was looking for three DREs, one for kids, one for youth, and one for adults. I was coming back to run Precana that day, so I grabbed my resume, ran into Monsignor Duncan, handed him my resume, and he said, you would take one of these? And, and he said, oh, this is funny. I hope he hears this at some point. Monsignor said to me, listen, I'm going to come over to your house and interview you because if you walk in this office, everybody will start talking. <laughs> so I don't know if it's still like that there, yeah. but anyway— it used to be. So he came over my house. I interviewed. He said, which one do you want? I'm sure he thought I'd take youth because I had so much experience teaching high school. I said, mm, my daughter just turned 13, and I'm going to be scrabbling with kids, with youth in my household. I'll take the adults. So the rest is history as far as Our Lady is concerned. I worked there 22 years, had met the holiest saints I'll ever meet probably in my life while I was doing that, and it was just a wonderful gift. So through all that, God drew me closer to him as he asked me to do his work for the kingdom. Yeah. And what a great job you did. Oh, well, thank you. What I love is that some of these stories will have like this big concrete moment, but realistically, everybody's life is slowly led by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And you, your story really highlights that of how God uses your employment, uses the people around you to pull you to other jobs, uses the nursery to get you there, and uses your husband to transfer jobs to come here. Yeah. So it's like not a lot of people give God credit for this, the little things. It's like, oh, this big saving miracle. Like, thank you, Lord. But I, I love how your story highlights the, the little things. I do, too. Those inklings. Those inklings. And that you listened to those inklings. You know what? More than me listening to them, I credit my husband. God love him. Every time I say, I have an inkling, (laughs) (laughs) I think he says, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) He's out the door already. (laughs) Denise, what are you most grateful for? Always and forever. I am most grateful for my wonderful husband of 40 years. My four daughters, four wonderful sons-in-law, and nine grandkids. First and foremost, my family. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. With uh, you having that big family and you trying to live a disciple's role, how do you stay salty is our theme. How do you keep the virtue in your life? I would say three things at this point in my life. One is prayer, daily prayer, constant prayer. And, and a great love for Scripture and, and always wanting to seek God's Word through Scripture. From as far back as I can remember, and I remember as far back as the first grade as far as this is concerned, I always had a yearning for Eucharist. And I think that more, more fundamental than anything else has been—and and I— what do I know at six, five years old, actually, in the first grade, right? I just remember my sister. Okay, so we were fifth grade, fourth grade, third grade, second grade, and first grade. I was number five. Yeah. 
So I was the first grader. And I remember so wanting to receive my communion in first grade when my sister in second grade was mm-hmm. receiving hers. I, and then when I received Eucharist in second grade, it was, I, I still remember the moment it happened. And it, but that wasn't me. That was just a, a, a kiss from God, God giving me that grace. So I have always, always craved and tried to go to daily Mass. I don't make it every day. Yeah. But most days my husband and I, now that we're retired, get to go. So, so that has always grounded me. Yeah, my love for Eucharist. Have you done any 54-day novenas All recently? All the time. Okay. In fact, oh, Discerning this still? was not meant to be a commercial. But I'm, I've started writing a book on it. Nice, the 54-day novena. Yeah, the power of it. Yeah, and while I was at Our Lady of Mount Carmel, I want to say hello out there to all the people who have that booklet I've given them because I've given away hundreds of those 54-day rosary novena booklets and people have come back with their stories of the power of it. So, Well, Denise, when that book is ready, you let us know and we'll have you as a guest on the show again. Oh, so fun. Thank you. I would love to. to publicize it. Yeah. To our listeners. So. Thanks. Very good. Very good. And Denise, one final question. Who is your greatest faith influencer? Yeah, you gave me that one ahead of time. And honestly, it's my husband. He is, okay, people used to say to me at Our Lady of Mount Carmel, how do you work all these hours? And I would say to them, I can do what I do here because Joe does what he does for our family. And I think it is his faithfulness and steadfastness, and he has as much love for the Lord as I do. And and he has always expressed, you know, I, one of the things we do is marriage prep. We always did, Joe and I. And I love Gary Chapman's five love languages. And Joe's love language has always been acts of service. And so I think his life has been one great act of service to me. Wow. Nice. Beautiful. That's awesome. I do have one more final question. Okay. Oh, this is a surprise one for you out there. (laughs) This is the final, final. (laughs) Final, final, until I think of another one. (laughs) 22 years at Our Lady, do you have any tips, tricks for parishioners out there of how to make it smaller, how to get involved, how to make the most out of this vast parish? Okay, sure, I have a few. One would be seek first the kingdom, no matter where you are, right? No matter how big or small your parish is, seek first God's will. Figure out how to use prayer, the sacraments, and scripture to be able to hear God, no matter where you are. And then from there, the whole idea of smaller groups is wonderful. Christ Renews His Parish is just a, it's a retreat experience that we offer twice a year at Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And it is a way to build a small faith community which in, within a larger faith community and to really personally get to know the Lord that you seek. So I would highly recommend that as well. And I, I read a book once that said, the best way to find yourself, uh, well, Scripture says this, first of all, is to give give yourself over. So I think that it is in serving that we discover ourselves. 
So in giving of yourself it that you receive. So figure out where you can best serve and do it with all your heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That JP2 quote, man finds himself only through a sincere gift of himself. Yeah. Right. So many ways to say that beautiful. Nice. Mm-hmm. And great question, David. And for our listeners, if you have questions similar to that or about the Catholic faith or Our Lady of Mount Carmel Parish, you can email us with your questions at salticcarmel at olmc1.org. Well, thank you for sharing with us, Denise. So as you heard from Denise this week, our call to action is to say yes to the Lord in little things. Uh, As she said, no big moment happened, but she just kept being open to the Lord and listening to what he wanted her to do with her life. And then she acted on that. She said yes, and she followed right right away. She had that job to go to the, the school. She went and walked that same afternoon. She had an inkling to still teach after her theology degree, and she mentioned it to somebody, and they had a job right, right away for her. So, like her, your call to action is to say yes to the Lord in everything you do, but try to be open to Him. Let's end with a prayer. God, our Father, I pray that through the Holy Spirit, I might hear the call of the new evangelization to deepen my faith, grow in confidence to proclaim the gospel, and boldly witness to the saving grace of your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening today. And stay salty. (laughs) 